our season on leadership, I sit down to talk with a leader across the University of Arkansas campus, our student body president, J.P. Garhan. Uh, hello, uh, my name is J.P. Garhan. I'm a junior political science and history major from Cabot, Arkansas. Um, I'm really, really happy to be here. Uh, campus involvement is something that's been really important to me throughout my time here at college, and so I'm just humbled and excited to be able to come and talk to you today. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, so could you just tell us, um, like, what does a, being a leader mean to you? To me, being a leader means being able to inspire a group of people to previously, to do more than they previously ever thought that they could. And so I think that leadership comes in a variety of different ways, but it's about taking initiative and it's about doing the, the unseen things and doing the, the uncommon things commonly well. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, uh, there's, there's, I guess there's a whole spectrum of stuff that, that leadership means, but, but to me personally, it means that you kind of do the things that, that no one ever gets to like necessarily see up front. And so, yeah. That's a, that's a really good answer. All right. Um, so speaking of leadership, you've been pretty heavily involved in the Associated Student Government. Yes. Um, could you tell us about some of those leadership positions and what those have meant to you? Sure. So my freshman year, I ran for a Senate seat in our Student Government Senate and uh, won with 99 votes, which was actually not a whole lot of votes, but they gave <laughs> five seats to freshmen. And so... I was able to have sort of a, a crash course year my freshman year in what it is that student government is about. And so the next year I ran for Senate again and was elected. And in that year I served as the Fulbright Caucus Chairman. And so I was uh, the head of the um, group of senators uh, in our body that were members of the J. William Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And I was able to work directly on issues related to our constituents. And then this past year, um, I am now the director of student safety within the executive cabinet. And so uh, my job has been to work with administration and initiate programming related to student safety, which is a pretty vague idea. But uh, through those positions, I, I've been able to find a lot of space uh, and accessibility to kind of move in different creative directions, and I've enjoyed them thoroughly. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so I was sort of wondering this, but um, does ASG run at all like a real government? Is it pretty much like a real government? Yeah, in, in a lot of ways it really is. Um, you know, we have three branches. We have our executive, our legislative, and our judiciary. Um, much like a real government, probably where there are differences is that we have a much smaller budget than a real government <laughs> would. Um, but in, in, a, in a certain way, our budget does come from student fees, so it is kind of like taxes, I guess. But okay. yeah, I, I would say it does work like like a real government. Um, since I've been in ASG, the organization has professionalized so much. Um, a lot more is being asked out of students than, than previously. And so uh, every day, more and more, I think it's becoming a, a more productive organization. Oh, well, that's awesome. Um, but going back sort of to running like a real government, um, has that ever frustrated you? I know sometimes in our national government, things can move slowly. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think with that professionalization, I think people care about their values and, and their stances on things quite a bit more. And so, whereas in the past, I think there was a pretty lax attitude to just like accept certain things at face value, now people feel resolute enough to, to stand up and to say something about it. And so 
I for sure think that there are going to be some bumps along the road, but at the end of the day, I think those are the steps to achieving good governance. I think when people care about their government, they're going to to have those opinions and and do what it is that they can to either support stuff or not support Mm -hmm. stuff. And so, um, uh, unlike our our, our real government, though, uh, I think that student leaders have the right idea when it comes to knowing what it is that is right for students. And so I don't think we're arguing a lot about necessarily the, the stances themselves. I just think sometimes we're arguing about how we should be doing stuff. And so, um, yeah, that would be my thought there. Okay, cool. And I mean, even with our real government today, I feel like people are being, at least right now, are being mobilized a lot more than usual just because they support or don't support things, I guess, so fervently. Um, so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your role as the director of student safety? Yeah, um, it's been the most amazing thing that I've been able to do in college. And so sort of the things that I have direct control of is that I'm in charge of initiatives related to campus lighting and crosswalk safety. I sit on the committee that is dedicated to running Safe Ride, which is something that I think is a really critical entity on campus and and something I would fight to preserve. And then other than that, uh, I am directly in charge of running the It's On Us Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Week, which is something that's very close to my heart. And uh, and this year, we're actually starting uh, to kind of create two new traditions where we're doing uh, Scooter Safety Week once again in the spring, which is something that was started last year. And then for the first time ever in April, we're going to have a week dedicated to uh, substance abuse, uh, overdose, and prevention. And so... Um, those are kind of two new exciting things and, and coupled with that, especially related to drug overdose, for the past year and a half I've been working with different student leaders to possibly reform the university's drug amnesty policy to maybe include uh, certain types of uh, illegal drugs in, in, oh, wow. in those areas. And so um, what that means is that we have a, a medical amnesty policy for alcohol. and so. If you or a friend are in a dorm or on campus in some sense and your friend is too intoxicated or you are too intoxicated, you're able to contact either like a, a resident assistant or a health official. And once you've been uh, medical uh, evacuated from, from where it is that you are, you can apply for medical amnesty, which is sort of a probatory status. Um, it exists though to not act as a deterrent for students that don't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we can create a system in which people feel comfortable um, contacting the authorities in a, in a desperate time, I, th- I think that that's a good thing. And so what we're trying to do is, is react to the times that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so on February 26th of 2017, President Donald Trump declared a national public health crisis with relation to opioids. And even in my own experience on campus, I, I've seen the power and the ability of prescription drugs to tear apart people's lives and so that's something that we're really passionate about and something that I hope before uh, I graduate we're able to accomplish. Wow that that just sounds awesome that's super cool okay I'm kind of pivoting a little but this is a bit lighter but you were involved in planning homecoming this year correct? Yes yes I was. How is that that's 
probably a pretty big task to take on. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a lot of time. Um, our homecoming director, Nikki Anderson, was amazing. Oh, cool. And so I was the assistant director of homecoming, and my job was directly related to planning and carrying out the homecoming parade, which I'm proud to say was the largest in the history of the University hey, of Arkansas. Congrats. Thank you. And so <laughs> homecoming is really cool because it's one of those only times where you feel as though campus can really come together as one. And so that's not just for the larger Razorback community where we have alumni coming back to the game. It is their homecoming, um, but that's for students here on campus. And so what we worked to do was create an environment and create uh, a week of programming where students, no matter what it is that their interests are, could somehow feel a part of the Razorback experience. And so for the first time ever, we had a, uh, an alumni lecture um, during homecoming week, which was really exciting. And we had Dean Skip Rutherford from the Clinton School of Public Service come and give that lecture. And that's a tradition that I hope we not only begin, but we'll, we'll continue to do because I, I think being able to have strong uh, University of Arkansas alumni come back and speak on campus is, is such an amazing thing. And so homecoming was really just the coolest. It's something that I, I was so thrilled to be a part of and something that even as, as a senior next year, even though I'm not on the committee, I hope to have some influence or, or some sway in how it is that we do things. Who did we who did we play for homecoming? Did we play Coastal Carolina? We did. Was it, was, it was almost disastrous. <laughs> um, yeah, we it was funny. Our, our homecoming committee was announced on the field um, at the end of the third quarter. And that was when things weren't looking as hot. And so I think I've probably seen more students in a classroom in Hillside than I saw in our student section at that time. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But it worked out. We, we, we pulled out the dub and I'm glad that I'm glad that it all worked out. Yeah, it did. I think we won by one point. So that's awesome. Um, also, um, you've been on a lot of study abroad trips, correct? Yeah, so I've, I've been on two. Two, um, okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> More than me. Yeah, I got you. Um, so yeah, my freshman year, I did a May intercession in South Africa cool. with uh, a professor, uh, Dr. Todd Cleveland from the History Department. And that was a really cool trip. It was about uh, sort of the racial dynamics of like contemporary South Africa, so post-apartheid South Africa. And we were able to go on safari, and we spent time in Johannesburg and Cape Town, and it was an amazing trip. Uh, it was beautiful in every way. But last year, I, I sort of took a different direction and went on a study abroad that's known as the TEX program on campus, which stands for Tibetans in Exile Today. And so for three weeks, um, I was in India traveling between Tibetan monastic communities conducting interviews um, the Tibetan story, the Tibetan narrative is really, really fascinating because they're, uh, they're not from India. They're actually from what was formerly known as Tibet, but what, what is now a part of China. And so um, in the uh, 1950s, there was a, a mass exodus of, of Tibetans out of their home country because uh, Red China and Mao Zedong had invaded the country and had threatened to, uh, to take hostage their leader, the Dalai Lama. And so... It's just, it's the most amazing story of, of resilience, not just cultural resilience, but personal resilience of, of people who were never able to see their family again or, or see their, their old, their former homes. They've, they've sort of had to remake their lives in a, in a new and, and different place. And so our, our job though was to conduct these long form interviews with Tibetan leaders to 
as an effort to preserve the Tibetan experience. And so it was a very intense trip. It was a really challenging trip in a lot of ways. We were, were thrown outside of our comfort zones quite a bit, but it too was, was an amazing trip. I'm, I'm so happy that I went on both of them. Um, did you become interested in that trip? Was that through um, the Literature of Nonviolence course? Yeah, I, I took Literature of Nonviolence course with Dr. Sidney Burris and uh, Geshe Tupton Dorji. But then the semester prior, I'd actually taken a colloquium course uh, known as Honors Tibetan Buddhism, which was oh, also wow. really, really cool. And so those two classes back to back were a perfect lead into the trip because I felt like I had so much context mm-hmm. about what it is that these people had experienced and, and I, I even just culturally knew that and understand sort of uh, how I should be reacting to certain things and so yeah it was they were they were both amazing classes and I would encourage anyone at the university to take them. Oh wow okay very cool and did that study abroad would you say that kind of added to your leadership capabilities? Yeah I, I think in some ways uh, when, I, when I say it was a challenging study abroad it was it was physically challenging mm-hmm. and so we would go days without access to Wi-Fi, and we would. Uh, we were in, in very rural India. These are, these are places that a lot of tourists don't ever get to see, and so um, our American idea of comfort and, and different things was definitely kind of thrown out the window. And so, I think that being able to know that I can be physically uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but also still stay on task and stay present with where it is that I am is definitely going to be something that will, will assist my leadership abilities because I think when, when you get pushed to certain limits but you still respond, that's that's definitely a good thing. And so I, I would definitely agree that I, I think in some sense it, it at least made me a, a more well-rounded and whole person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I couldn't imagine how it wouldn't. And I think that's kind of what study abroad boasts a lot is mm-hmm. that it kind of does. It makes you, I mean, even just more culturally aware. Sure. Uh, I completely agree. And we, we have an amazing study abroad program at the university. I, I believe it's it was ranked one of the top five programs in the country oh, last wow. year. Oh, yeah. wow. I didn't know that. And so cool. um, they all work really, really hard. Um, Hogs abroad is, is really mm-hmm. the best. Awesome. Cool. Well, okay, so I read over your resume a little bit before this interview, um, and you said you were pretty heavily involved in Boys State. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about what that is and your role in there? Um, Boys State is something that, Boys State and Girls State is something that is really popular in Arkansas and across the country. And so it is ran by the American Legion, which is a veteran organization. Uh, And so the purpose of the program is that it takes rising seniors for one week and it is a uh, a civic learning and civic experience uh, like opportunity camp and so you basically get together hundreds and hundreds of high school students from across the state of arkansas and you go to either conway for boys state or Cersei for girls state and through that process you not only kind of teach the American experience and, and teach the American government experience, but then you create a mock government while you are there. And so you're already broken into counties and cities and different parties. And, and from there, you sort of build this whole new government all the way up to senator and then uh, like governor. And these are like new and exciting things. And it's just, it's just a really cool week because I, I think it it encapsulates the minds of, of young people and, and what their civic possibilities are, um, even before they're able to, to go to the voting booth and, and vote. And so 
Um, I, I definitely credit Boys State in 2014 as being not only the organization and the moment in my life when I knew I wanted to study political science, but it definitely put me on a path to even knowing like, you know, maybe governance and shared governance is something that I would be interested in doing as a career someday. And so I'm, I, I go back as a counselor every year. Um, this will be my fourth year going back uh, oh, wow. this May. And so, yeah, it's, it's such a family and it's such a community. And I, I definitely credit um, the Boys and Girls State programs as uh, sort of the, the genesis, I guess, of who I am <laughs> almost. And so, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Oh, yeah, totally. And so when you're a counselor, you're pretty much going back and are you sort of facilitating the learning and everything Definitely, like that? yeah, especially with a lot of the early programming. And so it's cool because I get to reteach um, sort of these levels of governance to, to youth every year and in, in a sense I get to relearn it myself and so every year certain things feel different and it's going to depend on the group that you have but when I have a platform to connect with 75 young men on just my own that's kind of special that's kind of cool you you get to throughout the week sort of open up about even who you are and it's, mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for people to share very personal things about themselves just because they feel as though this environment is conducive to that. And so it's just, it's such a wonderful week and, and people really do walk away from it changed. And, and Boy State makes the claim that it's, it's a week that changes a lifetime and I will totally vouch for that. That's awesome, that sounds really neat. And do you think that helping these, like this younger generation um, kind of find their interests and become civically engaged, do you think that has strengthened your future aspirations? Yeah, I I think that definitely being able to connect with young people about government has strengthened or affirmed my my future aspirations in a certain way. Um, You know, the whole week is just is so unique because it takes people who previously didn't care about something or at least didn't care about it to the to a to a large degree. And it kind of just gets people fired up for America. (laughs) But, But at the same time, like we have to take into account the places that America has has stumbled in the past and being able to be proud of your country but cognizant of its failures is, I think, a recipe for becoming a more complete citizen. And so the Boy State program has changed quite a bit to to take into account different points of views and, and different perspectives because, you know, as Arkansans and as individuals, we only have our own perspective and until we reach out and and we we try to walk a mile in another man's shoes um we're we're going to lack that and so the the boy state program has done a really great job of evolving with the times and trying to stay as up to date and current as possible because depending on the news like we could have some of our programming in a day completely change because we want to respond to something that's happened in the world because it's it's that up to date and so yeah, it's, it's, it really is just the most amazing program. That sounds like an incredible thing to be a part of. Um, is it at all similar to Arkansas Governor's School? Yeah, I, I think that they have definite similarities. And, and I attended Arkansas Governor's School. And so my summer before my senior year was pretty caught up in, in those two events. And so Arkansas Governor's School and Boys State are, they both take place in Conway. And, and Governor's School, though, is is more, uh, I guess, um, kind of spread out and what it is that you can pursue. And so 
you can study social science or you can study natural science or choral music. Um, you can study uh, instrumental music, mathematics. Governor's school definitely forces you to, to think in, in kind of a new and exciting way. Um, you take philosophy classes. Uh, Governor's school and, and Boys State are um, definitely polar opposites in their intensity though, whereas Boys State is very intense. Uh, AGS is very laid back. Uh, Boys State is six days and Governor's school is six weeks. Okay. You know, there's Got just it. a difference mm-hmm. in programming, but um, coupled together, I think that they are a combination for a really thoughtful and thought-provoking summer. Okay, that sounds incredible. Um, and isn't wasn't Arkansas Governor's School under fire a little bit earlier? Yeah, um, I, I think that there is the potential for some efforts in the state legislature to potentially uh, change the funding process. And so currently Governor's School is funded off of a grant program and students have to pay a small amount, but it's not too much money to where a lot of students feel like they can't go to Governor's School because... Where Governor's School is special is that it takes students from really, really small towns throughout the states that are that are high-achieving students, and it basically kind of shows them a new world. Like, for the first time, and I especially felt this, um, I was meeting people who not only, like, did I share interests with them, but we were, like, really, really excited about the same things. And it made me excited to know that there were other people really not that far away that were just as excited as I was. And so... Um, yeah, there, there's like going to be some efforts. Uh, people in the legislature have criticized the program for um, the content and the, and the way that it teaches students in the past. Uh, a lot of people think that it's, it's sort of this liberal safe haven, even though there are some very strong conservative voices attending governor's school every year. And so, um, whereas a lot of people think Boy State is too conservative, you know, some will say governor's school is too liberal. And so... You're never going to quite make everyone happy, but, <laughs> but being able to know that these programs exist and that they're they're helping young people, I think, is, is a total asset. Oh, totally. I completely agree. Um, and shifting gears a little bit, so we've learned sort of what all you're involved with. Um, what do you plan to do in the future? What are your future aspirations? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, if you and my mom want to sit down <laughs> and figure that out, I'm sure you guys could have a whole afternoon where you could talk about it, but... I actually kind of have a new passion recently, which um, I'm really interested in, in kind of development and not just like political and economic development, but but social development and and the way that communities grow together and, and the institutions that contribute towards that growth. And so I would love to work uh, for a nonprofit someday and help assist rural communities grow. And, and whatever that means, I, I guess we're going to find out. But specifically, there's a company based out of Little Rock known as Winrock International, and it was founded by former Arkansas Governor Winthrop Rockefeller as an international and a domestic development firm. And so they have international offices in Nairobi, Kenya, and the Philippines, and field offices literally all over the world. And they do a combination of sending professionals and volunteers to different communities to assist either agricultural or uh, environmental sustainability growth, local entrepreneurship. Um, it's really an amazing group. It's, it's very small, it's local, it still has an Arkansas feel to it, even though there is a bit of an international flair. And so being able to 
work on those types of issues, but also live in the state would be a total dream for me. Okay, so you do, you want to stay in this state? Yeah, I I think so. Um, I am a fifth generation Arkansan, uh, even here at the university. I'm the fourth generation in my family to come to school here. And so I think when I was younger, there was definitely sort of a a feeling of, man, I really want to get out. I want to go out and experience the world. And, And my parents luckily have worked very, very hard to be able to allow me to travel and see different things and experience new things. But I I can't quite explain it, but I just always know that Arkansas is very much home. And so uh, I would love to live here. I would love to stay here. I would love to contribute to the state just because I feel as though it's contributed so much to me that, and if I don't pay that back, then I'll, I'll never forgive myself. Oh, that's awesome. I completely get that. I mean, I think everyone in high school sort of wanted to go away, but then Mm -hmm. you grow up a little, and especially being here in Fayetteville right now for college, I mean, can't imagine leaving. Of course. (laughs) That's such a scary idea, but it's all coming, and it's coming really fast. It is coming really fast. I'm I'm excited for the, the possibilities ahead. Oh, for sure, for sure. Me too. Okay, so this is a bit different, but... Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Sharkensaw? <laughs> yeah, um, Sharkensaw was sort of the brainchild of two of my really close friends in my fraternity. And they had this idea that was like, what if at a basketball game, the student section was all wearing shark costumes and we called it Sharkensaw? <laughs> and it's really just that simple. And so we were able to wear those like, left shark costumes from Katy Perry's uh, Super Bowl <laughs> halftime performance and we did it we did it uh, twice and then we sort of lost our way there a little bit uh, oh, we, no. the Ole Miss game the athletic department bought Clifford the big red dog outfits and we had Barkinsaw Barkinsaw <laughs> um, and I, I saw a suggestion that uh, for the Auburn basketball game their program recently got um, some gotten some hot water with the FBI and so the idea was that students should all wear suits and FBI hats and we could be Narkansaw. <laughs> Narkansaw, yeah. I like that. And so I, I think it was it was definitely very organic. It was something <laughs> that, that students really kind of just wanted to do. And it was so much fun. I, I had the best time at both the University of Minnesota game and the Oklahoma State game. But uh, I, I think at least for this year, though, I'm, I'm probably going to have to say that say that I'm out on Sharkansaw. Oh, uh, no. It's just it's a lot of energy to get to... <laughs> Bud Walton really, really early, and I just I just don't know if I can do it. That's understandable. So uh, I know we have a game um, tomorrow, so you're not going not gonna to be I don't, I don't know if, if Sharkinsaw will be making an appearance for the Auburn game, but I'll definitely be there. Okay. Um, it's going to be a huge game, right. so I'm really excited. Awesome. Okay. Um, and then, so since you're involved in so much, I mean, you're involved in Sharkinsaw and as long as other things... Um, what do you, I mean, do what do you do with your free time if you have any... Yeah, um, I, I also, like, I really like to stay busy. I like to stay active. I think when I don't have anything to do sometimes, I feel kind of placid, like I'm not accomplishing anything. But in my free time, uh, I like to do pretty normal things. Uh, I like <laughs> to spend time with my girlfriend. I like to spend time with my friends or um, watch sports, read if, if possible. Um, you know, my days are, are pretty packed, but... I'm able to kind of take opportunities and, and go out and do stuff whenever I can. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do pretty normal things. Uh, I like <laughs> hiking and camping a whole lot. Um, I love the outdoors. I can't wait for it to get warmer so oh, that I can either. go outside more. But, 
Um, yeah, I, I, I do like to stay busy, though. I, for, at least for me personally, I, I feel like my most self when I'm busy. Okay, well, that's good. I understand that. I mean, it makes me feel slightly bad about myself, but do no, get it. No. <laughs> What's your favorite book? I've got lots of favorite books. Um, fiction or nonfiction? Ooh, let's do... What's your favorite nonfiction? My favorite nonfiction book is actually... It was a book written by uh, John F. Kennedy called Profiles and Courage. I read it in high school, and it was just very important and transformative to me at that time. Uh, President Then-Senator Kennedy had basically written a book about eight U.S. senators in our country's past who had shown... Uh, incredible acts of courage um, while in office and so um, that's a book that is really really dear to me and then fiction is a little bit harder just because there's there's so many things mm-hmm. um, recently I read a really really great book uh, it was over winter break and it was by an author who's actually from Fayetteville and it was the most fascinating and interesting book and it was called The Architecture of the Arkansas Ozarks but it wasn't about architecture at all. It was sort of a play on an idea, but it basically followed a family in this fictional town in the Ozarks for like six generations. So like from the 1800s to the modern day. And it was uh, it was just, it was honestly one of the funniest books that I've ever read. I mean, I was I was laughing out loud uh, while reading it, which is which is not something that <laughs> I normally do. And so, yeah, there's, there's so many, I mean, I, I wish I had brought a list of, of different books that I love to read, but um, to me, reading is really important. I think that's okay. a really it's a really good time to kind of shut down and sort of take myself outside of my body, if that makes any sense. Oh, I completely agree. I love reading. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've never heard of that book. I'm going to have to check yeah, that out. Yeah, I, I can totally give it to you. Yeah, I would love to read it. Okay, so um, this is going to be our last question, okay. but can you tell us about a leader in your life who has inspired you? Oh, man. That's <laughs> also a really great question. Um I've got two people that immediately come to mind. Um, one is my father. Uh, to me, he's very much a leader, but he's one of those leaders who doesn't need to be necessarily the guy in charge to be uh, to show that he's a leader. And so he's just one of the most thoughtful and sweet. Uh, he's sort of quiet. He's definitely an introvert, and I'm definitely an extrovert. And so it's cool to kind of see like that different side um, and so my dad just, even like in our family, is, is just a rock, you know, he's, he's always going to be there, he's always going to be the first guy awake, he's going to be making coffee or making breakfast for us when we come downstairs. Um, I just, I, I realize now that I'm in college just, just how important my relationship with my dad was. Um, I'm actually a junior as well, and so it even feels really special that even before I was born, my, my dad had made a decision that he wanted to give me his name. And so um, he goes by John and I, I go by JP as, as the initials. And so, um, yeah, my, my dad is just to me the, the consummate example of someone who is dependable and loving and trustworthy in every way. And he's always going to be the person that I go to uh, for advice. But then another person who was, who was really special to me in college was... When I was a, a freshman, he was a junior, and so he graduated last year, but his name was Davis Trice. He was sort of the person who first showed me uh, into the world that kind of is like student government and like student involvement, like in and around campus. And, and Davis was someone who, on a college level, really went out of his way to not only like ask how I'm doing and not only 
be invested in who I was, but to, to build me up and to give advice and suggestions on, on things that I could pursue or places that maybe I should take a step back because he had sort of lived it before and, and he had been doing all these things. And so um, I would definitely also cite Davis as someone uh, in college and, and he lives in DC now, but he, he was he was and, and is someone that still uh, continues to have a, a major impact in my life. Oh, it sounds like you have some great leaders in your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very lucky. What you said about your dad, that's so sweet. That's awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming, JP. Gosh, thank you so much, Summer. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening in to another episode of Walton Biz Talk. Make sure to listen to our next episode on October 29th with Rick and Cindy Boozy, the founders of Kaya Chocolate.